Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. Is 1917 a gimmicky hype fest or already one of 2020's best movies? In this episode, you will get a spoiler for Avengers Endgame. Well, there was a movie that uh, got technically released in some sense at the end of 2019, but we refused to put it on any of our best of lists, whether we thought it was one of the best uh, movies of the year or not, because it did not get a wide release until 2020. It was slated for a wide in December of 2019, but got delayed two weeks or something. Yeah, but therefore, disqualified from You Hate Movies Best of the Year. Mm-hmm. Sam Mendes, 1917, uh, which we now have all seen. So Patrick's on the show. You saw 1917. I did. I've seen it. Liam, you're back. Bongiorno. And you saw 1917. In 2020, I did. In 2020. Tyler, mm-hmm. did you also see it in 2020? It's the only way you could see it's it. It's the only way I could see it. Yeah. Me too. That was the only way I could see it. Mm-hmm. But you know the interesting thing the, Well not the interesting thing If this was the only interesting thing about 1917 This would be a really sad episode uh, I didn't really care about that trailer for 1917 I'm going to be honest with you I saw it a bunch of times It kept coming on before anything I said yeah 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 sure sure another war movie It certainly looked better than some of the uh, Trailers for war movies I've seen as of late Like that Pearl Harbor movie Midway the Midway. Midway God mm-hmm. that looks bad There's another one with Tom Hanks I noticed It seems like it's Pacific based as well. Is that right? Oh, that just mm-hmm. hit the that just hit the streets. Just hit it. Tom Hanks <laughs> loves war films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, He's already he been in one of the best ones. Just yeah, don't do it he anymore. He produced it good. Uh, the Pacific. His his. I'm pretty sure Playtone is Playtone his company. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He Band produced the Pacific and. Uh-huh. Yeah, did they produce Band of Brothers too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he's huge into all that World War II, um, history stuff. Man, he's just he's jinxed it. He already did. He's a dad, man. He's just an American dad. Yeah, we've got more World War II stories to tell. I saw this trailer and I'm like, ah, yeah, whatever. I'm not usually very enthusiastic about uh, war movies unless they have some kind of gimmicky thing to them. And this movie did. Like uh, what? What are your favorite war films? Oh, that's a great question. Off the cuff. Oh, jeez. Isn't that like an entire episode or something like that? Fury? Fury is easily one of my favorite war movies. Thank you. Thank you for telling me that. (laughs) I wouldn't have remembered. Yeah. It is, though. It is. Yeah, I absolutely love it. That's a fantastic film. Uh, David Ayer apparently had one in him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because what's he been doing? Yeah, he can't find it now. Suicide Squad. Bright. Yikes. Uh, Dunkirk? Dunkirk sucks. Hacksaw Ridge. Um, mm. Someone went, came and put a copy, a Blu-ray copy of Hacksaw Ridge in my hand and said, you should really watch this. You will enjoy it. Uh-huh. Uh, I do like Mel Gibson's directorial efforts most of the time. Yeah. The ones I've seen, I've all liked. Man Without a Face. Great. Takes you home. War Horse. Uh, is that the Sp- Spielberg do War Horse? I haven't yeah. seen that one. That's not Mel Gibson. Mm. Yeah, right. I did, but by the way, I still haven't watched Hacksaw Ridge for months. <laughs> it's been sitting in, on my shelf. Shaler's List? It's great. Great Spielberg. Did we say Saving Private Ryan? Yeah, it's World it's War I feel like Saving Private Ryan is like. It's up there, yeah. It's the pinnacle of war films. Is it the pinnacle? Yeah, it's, good. it's up there. It's usually what people think it's of. It's good. Is Full it Metal still? Jacket. I oh, love Full Metal great. Jacket. All the Vietnam movies, I think, are really. I, like, I tend to like the Vietnam ones more because they're more cynical and 
twisted. Oh, they're darker. Yeah. Yeah. The World War II movies. There was no good versus evil there. It was dark. Yeah. The World War II movies always make it into heroes triumph, but the Vietnam movies are usually as sordid and nasty and gritty. Mm -hmm. But Full Metal Jacket is one of those movies that's like, there's a fantastic movie and then it keeps going (laughs) and then less so. But I like Full Metal Jacket. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Mel Gibson, We Were Soldiers. That's like the kind of movie Abby likes. That's the that's the dad <laughs> war movie. Yeah, that's a dad war movie. Abby yeah. likes dad war. It's pretty movie. good. Remember, remember like uh, Pearl Harbor? Yeah. Pearl yeah. Harbor. How could I forget? Stupid. It's not great. That was a stupid. Remember the one. Team America song? Michael Bay sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got some more that you're about to read to us. You want me to? You want me to keep going? What about Hurt a thin Locker? red line. You love um, that one. Oh uh, yeah, thin red line is a great one. That's great. Yeah, I only saw that because you said let's watch that, and it was good. Thank it's you. very good. It's it's Malik's best. I agree. Which yeah. is uh, that's my favorite. It is my favorite war film. You want to compare it to yeah. what? His, the only one close to it has got to be um, Tree of Life. Yeah, it's got that but same quality of like non sequitur stream of consciousness filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Right. You know the, what I mean? Thin Red Line is a narrative. Did you see um, his newest one? I've not yet. No. Quiet Life. Yeah. Is that no. what it's called? Or Quiet uh, Something? Yeah, you're the only one who saw that, right, Tyler? Yeah. <laughs> what is it called? I didn't see it. The Quiet Life. Yeah. Quiet, yeah. no. Quiet Place 2. Quiet Life. That was him, Terrence Malick. Oh, Why are we... Quiet Why does some, this happen to us? Why does this... A hidden place. hidden place. That's not it. Is that it? I don't know. They're sounding more and more not Why like does this happen to us <laughs> where we forget <laughs> the dumbest things? Because we're this dumb. just came out. I just put it on my list for the year. So here, here's... Okay. I think I figured out the answer to your question now, Tyler. I like Apocalypse Now. It's probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite, war movies. Uh, I like Fury. I like Full Metal Jacket. I think that I like uh, war movies that aren't um, deifying of hidden life. Hidden, hidden life. life. You know that Sorry. don't like venerate war heroes and like this is triumph of the heart, human will. Those usually kind of bore me. Mm-hmm. Right. I like ones that are take a, a little bit more of a dark turn. A blur in the lines, like. Um Glorious Bastards, maybe. Fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. It's my favorite World War II film right okay. there. Uh, it's hard to argue. Man, right? thank you for it. You should, <laughs> anytime someone's like, hey, Josh, what do you like? Hold on, let me call Tyler. Uh, uh, this isn't this isn't uh, necessarily a story of combat, but it's a really amazing uh, film about World War II. Was The Pianist. Yes, uh, that was sure. Great. Yeah, the, where World War II is more of the setting. Yeah. Then, mm-hmm. yeah. That is, that's a great that's, film. Yeah. Which astounding. I put Schindler's List in that category, too. Yes, right. it's more of the setting. Yeah. Right. Um, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump is a great <laughs> Vietnam film. <laughs> Something <Yeah>. bit me. <laughs> it's great. Great Vietnam sequence. You really feel like you're there. There's a lot of rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of rain. You guys have been there, right? Did it rain like that? I haven't been to Vietnam. Oh, it's you've been to the. Uh, I've been around there. No, yeah. what's the uh, only God forgives? Oh, Thailand. Thailand. Yeah. That's not Vietnam. It's a whole different oh, country. Different. Yeah, but you've very, been there. I've been to Thailand. Cambodia uh, was it borders Vietnam. It's very similar. It's did yeah, it rain? Okay, so it's not dense so bad. And hot no, and rainy. So yeah. Anyone like any good Cambodian movies? Killing Fields. Anyone? No, no, no I don't know. Mm-hmm. Name. I think it's the only one I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> Trailer for 1917 comes on and it feels, even though it looks like, obviously you can tell from the visuals that it's a sophisticated filmmaking. It's not the freaking Pearl Harbor movie or whatever, but it no, did feel very Michael much. Like, it felt like one of those uh, Bay. prestige pictures like, oh, it's Oscar bait, triumph of the will kind of thing. That's kind of boring to me. But then uh, when the reviews were coming around, it was actually, go figure, uh, 
the way that it was dividing some, I mean, it was, it was mostly well-received, but the way it was dividing some critics made it seem more interesting to me. I saw critics hating on the gimmick of 1917. Which is one continuous shot. That it is presented as uh, one continuous shot. And they were saying it's gimmicky, it's distracting, it's stupid. And they were saying things like it's entirely crafted to generate cinematic spectacle more than it is you know telling like a moving narrative and i was like that sounds interesting now i'm now i'm interested yeah yeah yeah. i think that from when 1917 first came into our what our world (laughs) our lives the universe once we first had knowledge of 1917 it, Mm -hmm. it seemed to me to to give the impression that this is not like every other war movie you got that from the trailer yeah and the what made you think that about the, the conversation around about how it's being made? Yeah, yeah, that for sure. The trailer yeah. made it seem generic to me. Mm-hmm. It, it, it felt, felt unique to me. It didn't feel. It felt generic to me. But I was saying this before we started. I like the director, and that it was about World War One, which we don't have a You're like, lot. Ooh, yeah, because we all Wonder the movies Woman? we mentioned, none of them were about World War One. So that's was true. Like, oh, that's different. I was Dude. gonna say Paths of Glory. Dang it! You know, Wonder late. Woman. Mm. But Wonder Woman. Yeah. It's a great World yeah. War One movie. World War Two gets all the better films. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the that, Great War. Those two things made right. me introduce. World War One's the Great War. Right? Yeah, is that right? That is the is Great that what War. They say? Yeah. Well, is. geez, what everyone always, you know, the sequels never quite as good as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Muppets Most Wanted. They raised the stakes for the yeah. World War Two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bigger budget. Same, same characters. Yeah. So I thought it's it's counterintuitive, but when people were saying that like it and I don't think this is necessarily a fair critique of 1917, but I was reading um, several big uh, movie critics say that it's all spectacle and it's not about narrative. I was like, well, disagree. I, I disagree as well. But what I was thinking is that, well, if they think that it's more spectacle than narrative, at least I know it's not the generic narrative, which people will, you are usually wowed by. Right. Yeah, sure. You know, and I think I think personally that and I, I know this room agrees with me. That spectacle movies rule and that you can totally get away with a purposefully simplistic narrative that emphasizes spectacle over the nuance of the narrative when the film is awesome. Mad Max Fury Road is Mm -hmm. one of the best examples of this. Uh, You actually made me think of Mother. Mother is another fantastic example. It's like something the super streamlined down the middle it does mm-hmm. one thing and that's what it's supposed to do right but it's amplified by this like insane visual spectacle and usually visual effects factor into that right largely as well and again mad max mother right. 1917 i think that uh using war as the setting for this type of film makes a lot of sense because that's really what war was everyone had a singular directive in war here's your mission you go fight the enemy and they had to exist in the spectacle, the theater that is combat. And I think that that making this film this way captures that really well. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I think it's um it's a little old hat to do another saving private Ryan type movie. Sure. But and Dunkirk to me for me was a huge flaw. It was just overly complicated and I couldn't attach to any of it by simplifying the story to mostly to mostly revolve around one character and a character that doesn't really do a lot of uh, complex dialogue whatsoever has like two scenes of actually back and forth. Right. right. Uh, and the movie is uh, 
this sounds derogatory, but I don't mean it like this. It's almost video game like in that it's like from the moment the first bit of dialogue starts going, it's like the idea is that we have to get him from this place to that place without dying. Mm-hmm. And that's the story. Watch yeah. It, yeah, it does feel very like GoldenEye or Call of Duty. You're playing an RPG and that's they made a movie out of it. Which yeah, but it's not first person point of view. Well, yeah, you wouldn't do that. Like, just right. made it's like it's singular not, focused it's mission. Not, like it's not hardcore Henry. Yeah, but it's <laughs> like you're, you're going in that direction. Unfortunately. And I felt, I, went, I w- wondered that this is you know kind of an exercise that only Roger Deakins could pull off, and of course he was awarded for it. But like Roger Deakins being the cinematographer, cinematographer on the film, yeah. Right. Um, who also did, you know, the recent Blade Runner and Sicario. Like, the guy's got... Very, very talented, very tremendous accolades. He's got a oh man! Of him. If he were okay, so he was on Blade Runner, Sicario, and Prisoners. He's a Denis Villeneuve mainstay. Coen Brothers. Does that yeah. mean that he's also the DP on Dune? Do we know that yet? All right, you keep your yeah. thought going, uh, yeah, Liam. Thought while I looked going. that up, but I wonder, like, if he didn't do it, like, what would it look like? Because I mean, this, I mean, was this written with the idea of telling it in a, a single shot? Because what if it wasn't a single shot? Would it hold up? Like oh, how the long was it? Yeah, up. interesting idea. Or because interesting that's, I, I, I found it a little distracting. They could have done it without the single shot, I think. Uh, they, they could have, he could have told the same story and just cut from different angles. But I think that and we've had this conversation before with other films. Uh, and this is the second episode in a row where I'm going to reference this film. Uh, they do this technique in a, a great masterpiece that we love to celebrate called Children of Men. <laughs> yes. And in that film, which is full of cuts, there's lots and lots of scenes where, where they're just, it's a pretty traditional um, cinematic style of cutting f- back and forth for conversations and to next scenes and all that. Mm-hmm. But there are long scenes in that film where you don't realize that you've gone for minutes and minutes and minutes without a cut mm-hmm. and action sequences in particular where you you find yourself deep into this action sequence and you're wondering how did they make this feel so realistic and how then you, you realize it's a single shot necessarily right. until you think wait this is still a single it's still shot. a single and shot like that. yeah yeah and it becomes so realistic that it's almost like it's anxiety inducing in a way and mm-hmm. it's like it almost it's almost disorienting like this feels too immersive Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what they were trying to do with 1917. Yeah, I agree. I think that the single shot made it where it was part of the storytelling where I don't know. I don't think it would have worked without it because I mean, it would have been obviously a different movie. But the thing is, like I watched it in a theater where the seat kind of leaned back, you know, and you, you got all comfy. But I was tense the whole time because it never stopped. And you felt to me like that's. This is what realism. this person feels like. It's yeah, like it's real. You can never ever relax. You can't even when you're like stopping to talk for a second. You're not relaxed because it never stops. And the one shot takes you through that journey. You never like get a break from it. Yeah, I actually appreciate when he gets knocked out for a while and we don't know. How much yeah, time God, to yeah. Hey, give <laughs> us a break. Yeah, I know. Oh gosh, isn't it uh, funny that the, uh, the like you guys are saying much of the movie is actually legitimately unbroken continuous shots that are really impressive sequences that right. are obviously for your cut. You can spot a lot of the cuts if you're wide, you know, they'll go right. pi- past a wall or, you know, that kind of thing. Or they'll go from a trench into a dark room and the, yeah, and then the black. convenient. Yeah. That's fine. 
uh, we're never meant to actually believe that they never stopped rolling camera. No. But a lot of those sequences <laughs> are drawn that would have been out. too much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is exhausting. God what the dang. heck? You'd be stressed, more <laughs> stressed for the filmmakers watching it. Yeah, they're they're 90 minutes into it and they're getting ready for the final scene. A guy forgets his line. No! <laughs> All right, Reset! Take two. Yeah. But it's almost like in a movie like uh, Children of Men or a movie like... Uh, What's the Revenant? Revenant, yeah, where there are Birdman did it. Some impressive continuous shots, um, where in Children of Men or in the Revenant, they're not the rest of the movie is normal, so you really notice the long continuous sequences, and they get celebrated. Oh my God, that was amazing! In this movie, they get lost in the in the gimmick Mm -hmm. that it's all presented as one continuous shot. So people talk more about like, yeah, you can notice the cuts rather than the fact that like. Holy crap! This movie is a collection of long, continuous sequences that are unbroken. That's really impressive. Yeah, yeah, and I think that um, the way he tells the story validates the this idea of one long shot because it starts with them him leaning against a tree in a field, very quiet, very slow, and then they get up and they walk into the trenches, and it. You can the the setting expands as they slowly walk forward. You start to see more soldiers, more infrastructure. Then you realize they're down in the trenches and they're up against they're up against the front line, the German front line, and and it just doesn't end. And then it just keeps getting more chaotic and more chaotic. And then eventually, it reverses back out where he comes out of the trenches. He has a tree. Yeah, yeah. He the setting gets more minimalistic and then sits down again at that tree. I think that that's a beautiful representation of a day in war uh, where you don't know what you're going to expect. You don't know where you're going to end up and you have to live through it every single moment until you finally get to rest again. I thought that that was very clearly what he was trying to to do. Mm -hmm. That was his goal. And I think he did it really well. And the one shot absolutely does that for you. Yeah. And and that is how it is. I remember I can tell you from experience. War. Yeah, that was yeah. Like, well, that's what war is like. You think he was just like, he was in trouble anyway because his hand's got to be infected after sticking it into that corpse. <laughs> Collapsing <laughs> the chest cavity. Yeah. I made an oh, I, I made an audible sound. Oh, oh. He had uh, yeah, I did that. Ah. <laughs> I didn't like it. Oh, yeah. It was gross. Yeah. Yeah. Let me rinse that off, dude. Yeah, there... Oh. I feel like we just keep talking about the the craft of doing this all in one shot, but there is a few moments where I was just so confused. Not in the first watch. I was totally immersed in the first viewing, but the second viewing, I was amazed on a, on a few occasions where I think, okay, sure, cameraman's just following them through this <laughs> Quit reverse this engineering trench. while you're watching it. But there was a few moments where they would go down into a giant hole and the camera would go across the water while they went around the water. And I think, how did they transition from someone climbing down next to them onto a a, a boom and then keep going? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's really impressive. Yeah, uh, camera work. Sounds like you weren't focused on the the second time. Movie. Okay, I, I was paying attention to stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, did did we? Uh, we're doing spoilers, right? It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we? Were we surprised that uh, the brother never got to see his brother? Yeah. I was surprised he died so fast. I, I was surprised, surprised too. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. have been surprised if he or the other one or both of them died like somewhere right yeah, in the third act or something yeah. like mm-hmm. that. But I was like, oh, dang, he's already gone. 
And then at first it was just like, oh, he, got, he got stabbed, but maybe this guy will have to drag him for the rest of the movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, oh, this looks so good. He's getting paler There's and a paler. Lot of, and that was one of, I think, the the more striking, long, continuous sequences of the because he has to act out his death and he has to hold him through his death and there's no as there's, I recall score effects coming, yeah there's, there's practical effects blood gushing blood that's a, that's hard to reset for a second take mm-hmm. yeah I saw, I listened to a, uh, one uh, film critic who said that he was really really impressed with this young man's performance and he's relatively new to the game the actor I'm told he's in Game of Thrones is that right the one who the bro- the brother who died yeah. Yeah. No, no, but I'm talking about the gentleman who remains in the movie for oh, the whole no. film. The younger brother. But the brothers were both in Game of Thrones. They the were. older brother was not. He's not oh, a brother the of anyone. anyone. The, the, the guy that lived was not. The, yeah, the boy right, that right. lived. The boy that <laughs> lived. That was uh, his credit. Yeah, he yeah. made it. Uh, his name is George McKay. Lance Corporal Schofield. He's in that Kingsman movie coming up, right? Yeah, it looks like from this he's known for Captain Fantastic and the Bad Peter Pan in 2003, which I'm sure he is. Um, Still trying to live. So anyway, uh, that he 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 said something like he felt like he should have been given an Academy Award for his performance, and that if anyone disagrees with that, they would certainly have to agree that he did the most acting, if not the best acting. Because he was comparing it to the other uh, Oscar nominees and winners in the field, and he was like, "What this Joker had to do physically Joker? for Is this performance? No, it wasn't. But what this fella had to do uh, physically for his performance, even for something that's like a compare it to jo- Joaquin's amazing performance in Joker, which is seems like it was really emotionally demanding, but seems relatively cushy, sitting in right. apartments and on sets rather than just like sure, sure. absolutely crawling through mud and dirt and dust and having right. stuff thrown on you. And it's not just that you're exposed out in a real world uh, set like that. It's also demanding in the sense that you need to carry this scene like you would on stage in a theater. Yeah, and his his performance is uh, it was an excellent performance and he's so wound up and tense through the whole thing that he has to kind of hold that disposition. Why would it ever settle mm-hmm. from the moment it starts going to the end? And there's really no scene in the movie where he's like totally chilled out and comfortable. The closest uh, you get is inside truck. is even that he's like super worried about where they're going. He just lost his friend. He just yeah, lost yeah. his friend. He's they're going too slow. They get a flat tire. You're like, Oh God, he can't even ride in the freaking car. <laughs> He's the only one who wants to get out and push it. He goes down into the bunker with that, uh, or into that house with the lady. But oh yeah, bombs are falling outside and crap. And that was a nice moment. At him. We gave them the milk. Yeah, that was yeah, nice. but even like that moment was <laughs> Chekhov's milk. Yeah, right. <laughs> it sucked <laughs> because it's like, well, that's great. He survived for that amount of time, but that door is going to get kicked down any second, and that milk's only going to last the night. Those people are screwed. And can that baby just drink that straight up cow milk? That you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like the war thing again. It's like, well, yeah. that's great. War we sucks. saw them for a, lot, a minute, but they're dead, right? <laughs> they can't survive that. He yeah. wanders into yeah. that One company where the guy's singing that song. That's the closest he gets to relaxing for yeah. a second. That was a really good scene. So that, but must, that was a, he came out of that river particularly traumatized. I know, yeah. yeah. So, But think about him shooting this movie. The few days that they probably spent with him sitting there listening to this guy sing. I'm sure not really sing on the set. No, except for a few, except for a few takes, uh, that must have been the only relaxed days he had shooting this movie. The rest yeah. of them are like, 
run here, fall here, get dragged here, let's uh-huh. throw dirt in your face, ride yeah. in the back of this bumpy truck with everyone elbow to elbow. Right. You know what I mean? It seems like it was a miserable thing to <laughs> yeah. shoot. Yeah, do you, he definitely had dirt in his eyes. At For that sure. one point when he was like blinded by the dirt in his eyes. That sucked. Yeah. What made that bomb go off down in that bunker? Was that a, a rat? A rat. The rat was yeah. a tripwire. That a sucked. Rat. I jumped. I jumped uh, at that freaking thing going off. Yeah. Unlike Endgame, the rat was not. <laughs> yeah, this, this unlike hero. the hero rat in Endgame. <laughs> spoilers for Endgame. Spoilers for Endgame. <laughs> yeah, uh, all, I thought all of the, the visuals in this, outside of just the camera work, uh, were really beautiful. There were scenes that that I just I was I was astonished at how well they crafted them. Obviously, going through the trenches and him sticking his hand in that chest cavity, yeah, and the people's faces in the dirt. Oh yeah, it was just so upsetting and so creative and awful. Yeah, it wasn't only that they were doing the gimmick, which is a cool gimmick, but whenever it would span across like the set pieces and and all, it was just. A mastercraft and right, and that's where most of the violence you encounter exists. Because yeah. in like Saving Private Ryan, which is a, an amazing war film, uh, the brutality is is the death that's currently happening all around you, and the dismemberments and the gore and the blood and bodies floating in the water, particularly in the opening scene. Um, but the violence that you endure in this film is is like the rotting corpses of horses what has happened yeah yeah Yeah. oh my gosh what the yeah the Uh the absolute despair and destruction of the landscape around them right and he's going into it you're like oh we're going back to that right now right and it's beautiful the way that they they created all of that that those sets and they're not even like the key factor in what we're following but they're this environment they find themselves in is just Mm -hmm. so uh, captivating and staggering. Yeah. Man, they and really it was all done in LA, right? Like in a studio? <laughs> yeah, totally. That's a green screen. <laughs> Dang it. It's not even a green screen. No, it's no, I just thought it was a big old studio that they're just like <laughs> rotating. It's on a like It's a one of those uh <laughs> like they used on the Mandalorian the screens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but then even when it goes into um after that long cut of him knocked down on the stairs, he wakes up at night and there's the ruins of the city and the flares and the shadows and that was a really amazing scene. That yeah. was cool. I liked that it was a visual. It provided a visual juxtaposition from, like, uh, the kind of dreary, yeah, countryside that we've been seeing almost the entire movie, and now you've got this really cool ambient lighting that's like almost no lighting. Shafts of like amber light coming through from flares going up yeah. and bombs going off. That was cool. It was scary and, and, it, was really and it became briefly. Yeah. It was like a, a, a you know, a, it suddenly became a different movie for a second. Yeah, visually, visually, and he's dodging bullets and he doesn't know where they're coming from. Yeah, it was so intense. Well, it sounded really good too. That's like it. In the theater. Like that's a good point, Liam. This is, I think. Oh wait, that's great. Do that again. This sound. Oh my God, I'm there. Is it on? Sorry, guys. This is an important theater movie, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. This is this is the film you want the theater experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, we say that just about any movie that's worth watching, yeah. well, we'd rather see it in you, the theater. You, in our last episode, you were talking about Parasite. That's and true, how yeah. pe- people were saying, oh, you have to see this in the theater. I don't agree. I don't think you have to see no, Parasite. It might have been cool get in theater, trouble. Yeah. But Parasite doesn't have to be seen in theaters to right. fully appreciate it. If you have the choice, then by all means. Well, for sure. But 1917 is a film that you want to see 
it or will, theater with good it sound. It will yeah. inarguably be a better experience, yeah. a better cinematic experience mm-hmm. to see. Yeah, it. it's kind of like, it's kind of we talked about this before with a film like Gravity, where you see it in the theater and it's immense and it's huge and it's it's just breathtaking. Hey, tell you all what, I no used to always intended. say, you got to see Gravity in the theater. See Gravity it's in the necessary. theater and like you get the, D, the DVD, the Blu-ray, and you have it at your home and you're like, what's the point? It's not going to be yeah. as good. I agree. That's true. I own Gravity, and I have for years, and I still haven't opened it. I forgot yeah. I had it until you just said that. I know, 1917 I know. is going to have that same emotion for me. Like, I want to watch it again, but it's not going to be as good. Sure, yeah. but not the same effect as Gravity. No. Because some people like, remember much. Gravity? Oh, it's great. Should I watch it? I don't know. It's like, yeah, yeah 1917 <laughs> will still be a cool movie. It. it just, I think it will probably suffer. Uh, it, subconsciously or not even noticeably to the person who hasn't seen it in the theater at all, but right, the sound design was really immersive yeah. visually. It you know it has one of those movies where I was watching the gentleman that was beside me. We were both kind of like uh, clenching and doing the thing where uh-huh. you hear a sound go off behind yeah. you and you momentarily like kind of jump in your seat. Yeah, if you saw it in Atmos as well, I'm sure it was just yeah. really unnerving. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's Dolby awesome. Atmos, right? Right, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. the very same. Yeah. The very same. Yeah, so I think that the, the film does that really well. Each new set along the way of this journey was beautiful. The wasteland, the trenches, the Nazi, uh, like well, subterranean lair. They weren't Nazis. Yeah, they're they're Nazis. Nazis. Well, they're German. They're pre proto Nazi. <laughs> yeah, pre Nazi. I think that they still they still went by that moniker. No. Are they? Are no. What are we? Historians? No, no. Nazi, Nazi came after yeah, World War I. World War II. Got it. Uh, <laughs> but I, it's okay. It's I'm Germans. pretty sure they call them Nazis. Nah. Just Germans? Y'all are going to keep Germans. this up? Yep. It's just Germans. Anyway, and then moving into. <laughs> no, right, I don't know. The, I think they really. Moving into the grass <laughs> farmlands, then <laughs> into the city, then into the river, and then back into the trenches again. But the trenches had that beautiful white sand compos- contrast to the green grass. Mm hmm. It all was just so beautiful. The man, this so, man was yeah. had hearts in his eyes and everything. Good for the set decorators. Well done, everybody. Good, yeah, good job. Everybody really showed up yeah. to work on this movie. Got to work. I'll be danged if they did not spoil that great uh, Final sequence. climactic sequence yeah. where he runs along the battlefield while everyone else is charging right. out, and he's uh, bumping into everybody and everything. Jumping over. Saving lives. Doing Doing that's great. That's those, those totally in the trailer. The whole thing's in the trailer. Yeah. You kind of you know that too <laughs> when you're watching. Why would they do that? You're like, okay, they they're going that? from A to B, and that's the last scene yeah. because oh, yeah. he's got no gear or anything. He's like, th- yeah. he's at his last moment, but I guess he's gonna make it. And there's nobody <laughs> running with him. I guess something happened to that one dude. Oh yeah, I didn't even, at the oh, time. Wow. I didn't put that part together, yeah. but I was definitely thinking that was the last scene. Yeah, and the whole thing plays out like them just doing their duty. having to follow orders and uh we there a friend of ours uh accuses the film of being too simplistic and the plot being boring you know exactly what he says you know exactly what's going to happen the first five minutes because well yes he get they get their orders in the first five minutes and we expect them to follow them through uh but i i disagree that it's overly simplistic because when he finally finds that place at the end of the film and he sits down against the tree and he pulls out the photo of his family that's an enormous reveal yeah. that we didn't have before because uh, we're led to believe by this other character that he's just a younger brother he has to go find his older brother 
uh, he's talking about his dog back home. Like he has very little responsibility back home. He's just a kid. Yeah, little did we know the stakes were high for him as well. But the stakes. No, I'm the, I'm talking about the other the kid that died. Yeah, I know. I'm just and saying. then so we're led to believe that they're both just kids in war. Uh, they're talking about having to go home. They probably because they don't want to come back to face war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the end and you realize he has a kid. And ki- was it kids? Just one kid? He has a family. He has a family. And it says, the, it turns the note over and it says, come back to us. And I said, that is an unexpected way to end the film. Because I said, just, thank God that other guy died. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really unexpected, clever, in my opinion, uh, way to end the film because it just made all of the stakes so much higher and the decision making for this guy so much higher where he could have easily not taken the risks that he did for the sake of returning home to his family like hit that moment of him choosing to go run up out along the front line outside of the trenches became significantly more profound than than it was at first viewing yeah yeah, Agreed, yeah. so i i agree that it was like it was a really well thought out way to end the film and that is my uh defense of the people who say it's an over over simplistic yeah i would i would counter by saying i think that it's uh refreshingly simplistic i don't think that i i like the idea that they you know they wind up something and set it in motion and it basically delivers what the premise promises Mm mm-hmm that not without some extra flourishes and a a reveal at the end, which was great. And it was, but I didn't need it to be anything else. I didn't need him to have some kind of like a talky catharsis on the way or something like that. I like the, it's like, I thought that that was very ballsy and uh, astute of Sam Mendes to be like, this kind of movie will work best if we, just let it be what it is, and it's going to be uh, simple in a good way. I think a lot, a lot of movies, it, it would have bogged itself down in the weeds if we would have kept stopping to do all these other things and have all these like uh, really profound, like you know what other people would probably describe as character development, which does not serve this movie's purpose. You know, to learn more about him all along the way and have lots of conversations and twists and turns that deviate us from the simple plan that we've established from the first 10 minutes of the movie. I said, good Mm -hmm. for you, man. You did the one simple thing and you did it balls to the wall in a way that was super entertaining. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's good. We need more movies like that. Yep. Mm -hmm. I agree. Weren't you, were you mad when the guy was trying to pull the, uh, the guy out of the plane? Say, we got to save him. Oh, the German. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I thought, okay, cool, that's nice. Maybe this guy's going to, oh, crap, nope. Yeah, <laughs> it, didn't go well. it goes bad for everybody. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be like, oh, and man. Germans, man. Germans. They're uh, always like that. Yeah. Sorry, apologies to our German <laughs> listeners. I will say this, though. Here's my Good one controversial talk. since everybody's just, uh, you know, enraptured with 1917 it. in this episode, that I, part of me actually in the movie theater what did think to myself, and this is obviously my own proclivities or whatever, but I was thinking like, man, this movie, the craftsmanship is just uh, really, really high caliber. It's undeniable. Oh, yeah. Premise is really cool. And by premise, I don't mean necessarily even the setting, but just the idea that like, what if we had a story about a character who went and we just followed him in one take and it was blah, blah, blah. Uh, part of me wanted to see all that uh, craftsmanship and all that effort and that same simplicity in a good way in a different setting 
because I don't usually like war movies all that much. It felt like, to me, the setting was like blah, 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 a little bit. I've seen a million war movies. I've seen movies that look like this. This is so cool. This is so good. Uh, what would it would be like if it were in some other premise? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Like a I, Jason movie or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If this was Friday the 13th, part 12. I've, I've said this about um, Terrence Malick's Thid Red Line. I think uh, filmmakers and storytellers choose war because it's the easiest place to tell stories about uh, the human spirits and good versus evil. Sure, and yeah, human condition, existentialism, human yeah, all, all of that is really easy to be easy to do in a high stakes life or death situation that is war, mm-hmm. and it's really easy for characters to face these 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 questions and go up against these uncertainties that uh, that is life, you know, ethics and morality, and and so it's a lot harder to do. Or these filmmakers trying to do it outside of the vehicle that would be war. Yeah, I, I agree. It's almost like the same conversation about like Nazi, a Nazi makes a real easy villain right. in a movie. We all immediately know who we're supposed to hate and it's easy and all that kind of stuff. Mm. The But Terrence Malick's a great example because if you take Thin Red Line and you say, if you were to say the same things, which I wouldn't necessarily because that movie's so kooky, you know, even though the setting is familiar. Uh, uh, yeah, the setting is, is secondary to the the story he's trying to tell about ex- existentialism. Yeah, yeah, and it is very existential. He feels like, oh, Terrence Malick, this is really cool, but I wish you wouldn't have done a war movie. He's like, oh, that's fine, I got you covered, and then you've got uh, his, the rest of his filmography. Yeah, or, or, or certainly life. something like Tree of Life yeah. is just like, what if you took the same <laughs> conversations about what it means to be human and find your place in the world in this big cosmic bizarre thing? There's that movie. I feel like with something like this, and I already mentioned this other movie once uh, in the episode, but if you take, what does it mean to just have a movie where you wind up a mechanism and have them have to get from one place to another surviving. And the premise is just huge spectacle simplified. There's not a lot of extra narrative bells and whistles cause you don't need them. You get a movie like Mad Max where the idea is just like visual splendor, yeah. mm-hmm. amazing set pieces. The story is totally engaging, but it's, it's really lean mm-hmm. and you just go from here to there and survive. Yeah, and the probably the closest thing to that concept, and maybe just like these road trip films. There's a lot of them, even Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, sure. Can, Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. can fit in that can fit in that category to a degree, where it's like you're trying to get from point A to point B. Here's all the things that happen along the way and the lessons learned <laughs> and how it but ends. Dumb and Dumber is. I'm sorry. Uh, has a lot more narrative sophistication than 1917 <laughs> yeah, because it it's like a who's who and they don't know that they're idiots. They so think that they're like uh, co- complicated criminal masterminds. Sure. And sure. we're watching people figure it out along the way and right. somebody gets constipated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And this is this is a, my, my defense against <laughs> people that say 1917 is too simplistic um, that... That's it's the not same. Just credit, yeah. That's yeah. That's I think it's it's an unfair criticism because even the war film that we're holding up the highest here, Saving Private Ryan, is essentially the same thing. They get orders, go find this person, get from point A to point B. How do you get there? What happens when you find him? What it's happens? The, along it's essentially the, way. the yeah. same story, uh-huh. and that's what we're getting in 1917. So if you're going to hold 1917 to that criticism, then you have to hold all of these films where it's just here's the mechanism. Get to this point. Let's see how you do it. Yeah, I, th- I think that it's just it's the movie itself 
doesn't intend to be the kind of movie that these people are mad at it for not being. It's like uh, right. criticizing a Friday the Thirteenth and being like, there weren't any life lessons about you know, <laughs> uh, you know. It's like, what are you talking there about? There kind of is, you know. There are life lessons. Yeah. I feel a little weird about what, right when I said it. How come there weren't enough puppets in Friday the Thirteenth? Well, it's not that kind. Why would you expect right. there to be puppets in <laughs> right. 1917? I think when these people are like, oh, it was simplistic. You're like, I I feel like I could be wrong, but Sam Mendes, it seems to me, would say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that was yeah. the idea. Yeah. That's the, you know what I mean. I'm like not you're trying to trick you. That's you're just the mad story at it for being yeah. what it meant to be. That's the story, and that's fine. You can be mad at, it, but but holding it against it like it tried and failed. It was it was trying to be so complex, and it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Right. The entire film would have been obsolete if they had radios, telephones. Uh, like, yeah. Let me call comms, this guy real quick. Uh, yeah. Comms of any kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Morse code. I'll text maybe. him real quick. Yeah. Don't go out there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> They'll stop. So yeah, it's simplistic. They're just delivering a message. But the story is, will they succeed or not? What will they face? They should have sent a pigeon or something. But you know, man. It's not the destination. It's the journey. Yeah, Friday the 13th would be awesome. One shot. Sam Mendes. (laughs) Think about it. That was a lot of love for 1917. Surely someone listening to this, if you made it all the way to the end, were frustrated hitting your steering wheel of your car on your commute to work. These idiots uh, love this movie way too much. I'm super... (laughs) What? Keep going. going. I can't believe they like this movie so much. I'm disgusted with them, and now I'm definitely never subscribing to them on Patreon. You could air those grievances if you'd like. Um, YouHateMovies.com by leaving a comment on this episode. But if you uh, don't feel that way and you're like, hey, these guys are really on something, <laughs> you might head to Patreon.com slash YouHateMovies and consider uh, rewarding us with money. 